0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Many people are uh, talking about the weather now. It's supposed to rain, it's windy. Quite a few shilos today about wind and sukkahs. Apparently New Jersey is more windy than New York, from what I understand. So I'll just very quickly go over the issues of rain on sukkahs. We had a little bit on the second night of sukkah, so a little bit of an issue. Some people had uh, issues with the rain and others didn't. So, what I, as I explained to my children, when the rain starts to fall, that's not a hetter to go into the sukkah. They tell me it's raining outside, so we go inside the house. That's not what it says in Shulchan Aruch. It says in Shulchan Aruch, there's a Tor mitztair. Er. Mitztair er means, based on the Mishnah, that the food gets into your dish and it ruins the dish. So, the Machabedir, the I'm already right. How exactly do you calculate how much is mitztair? So, the Ramah's rule of thumb, I think, is very, very practical. If you were sitting in your kitchen and it was leaking from your ceiling, at what point would you get up and switch to another room? If that's the way the rain is in the sukkah, that's amidst tiredness. If the rain is coming, it's not bothering you. It's not really disturbing you so much. It's a little bit... It's not enough that you're going to pick yourself up and switch rooms. Then you're not a midstar, Then you're m'choiv to sit in the sukkah. But if the rain is coming down, and you ask yourself, if this was happening in my kitchen, would I switch to the dining room or vice versa to another room? That's already enough to be midstar, And then you part the menah sukkah. But here's where it gets tricky. Shulchan Aruch writes that once you go inside the house, you can finish the meal inside the house. But the Brewer says you have to start the meal. Now many people, especially if you have a lot of people at your table, so by the time you slip everything into the, into the house, and you start talking about where we're going to eat and what we're going to do, it stopped raining. That's what happened to me the second ayuntah. We talked so much about coming into the house, by the time we actually came into the house, no one started the meal. It's The rain stopped. So we went back into the sukkah. Then the fact that the rain came down much heavier, and then we quickly started to eat. But the mishnah is very clear: just coming back inside the house doesn't mean you don't have to go back into the sukkah if the rain stops. If the rain stops, it's if you started your meal, you started eating. Exactly what that means to start eating: Mishnah means you're sitting at the table and you started to eat something. I don't know if you, ate, you don't have to bite. You didn't take a bite, but you're ready. You're not schlepping things into the house still. You're already in the process of eating. Then the halach is you don't have to go back in if the rain stops. So once you start the meal, you can finish the meal. You don't have to worry. You can go back if you want. Again, there's issues of shini mukim and brachas issues. But putting that aside, strictly speaking, once you started the meal in the house, you don't have to go back. But again, it has to be that it actually the rain is disturbing you. So the second night yumpdav, at least here, there was times where the rain wasn't so strong, it wasn't so annoying. Especially if you had a decent tzchach, you didn't really feel so much to the disturbance. Okay, air is subjective. Someone called me up today; they wanted to know is wind a ptor mitztaer also? The answer is many things are ptor mitztaer. Mitztaer is not only geshem. Mitzvah is anything that makes that this room is unhappy. You can't stay here. It's very annoying. If you have a terrible bug problem, and in some states if you have a very bad heat problem, that's always the discussion. Even in Radin, when the Mr. Brewer lived, he discussed about this idea of being potter because of mitzvah of the cold. They said, ah, if you're going to use that, no one's ever going to sit in the sukkah in Eastern Europe because plenty of time in Eastern Europe it was very cold during sukkahs. So depending on where you live, they try to make air conditioners and fans this and the other. But mitzvah is not only from rain. Mitzvah can be from wind bugs, smell so obviously you're supposed to build your sukkah in a way that you don't have these problems but sometimes you can't control it today happens to have been a very windy day things were shaky, things were moving so again, how cold do you feel in you? but you have to be honest with yourself it has to be that this is very disturbing this is very troublesome if I was like, this is my kitchen I'd switch to a different room so again, we so, spoke so it's, it's subjective. Subjective, subjective, 100% go and I always tell people that if the rain is bothering you, then go inside it's not bothering me now there's even a shy <laughs> on the post going, what happens if people are bothering you? Let's say you have guests that are annoying you and they're sharing your sukkahs, right? Is that a torment star also? Okay, it's a discussion for a different time. Now I'm in the sukkah, it yeah. stops raining, I close the shlak. It stops raining. Do I have to open the shlak or is it the same thing as No, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. You could. You don't have to. No, you don't have to. Even though I'm in the sukkah. Yeah, you're not you're not in the sukkah. you're in the house. The fact that there's a shlak over it is apostles the suk. Uh, many people are asking today about how to tie down their because shaq are blowing around all over the place. Um, we spoke about this a little bit yesterday. I don't want to spend so much time in it. The problem you're going to have is an issue of maymid, as we spoke about yesterday. So you're kind of limited to how much you can do. The best thing you can do is just throw wood over it. And according to some you can actually put uh, blocks, cement, bricks on top of Yisrach. Just be careful if it p- falls through. You know, you might have a lawsuit on your hand. But in any case, uh, just be careful. You know, if it's the same guest that's annoying you, maybe sitting right where the block, you know, whatever. You have to work it out. But in any case, the best option really is, is to put wood. Pieces of wood on top to hold the schach. Now, the whole question about the zip ties, the zip ties are a little bit more complicated. Today, they make, in many of the stores you can get, you can get material that is taka the schach, which means the material itself could be used for schach. In that case, it's, very, it's much better to use that material. The zip ties are not like that, but there might be room to use the zip ties if you're only nervous. I mean, if the esim the schach can last on its own, but you're very nervous, you're worried that the schach will blow away, so then it might not be a shail of maiman, anyways. In that case, you would be allowed to use, uh, tie it down with a zip tie. Um, we had an issue this morning that we didn't make Hanaitzah Hamaf al Okay, as much as we tried, the Ma'isa was about two minutes early. Especially those people who started while we were still in the they were like five minutes early. So, let's say all the people who died at the first minion this morning, should they shake Luluf again later in the day? Because they only did the mitzvah, but the avid we mentioned that shaking a of after, ha before ha-netzacham, is only Bidiyad. The is supposed to wait till after 6.44, 6.45. But we didn't make it this morning, so we did it early. So the shayla, should you re-shake to get the mitzvah in its proper time? So when uh, you look in the achroinim, so that's a shayla always, at right? mitzvah. We spoke about this last year. We had the same argument, of Gersh, me and you last year. I wonder if it's recorded. I don't remember anymore. We had this discussion. So if you look at the Yaivitz and the kafachaim, they both suggest that you should take it again. Take it again without a brach. The B'kuri Yank, he says no. He says you don't take it again. So the question that the Gersh is bothered with, and again this is also for a much bigger discussion, is Lom what do you mean? If you're Yaita, why are you going to do it again? What does that mean to do the mitzvah again? Do the, mitzvah, the mitzvah's over, finish, you're done. We know lulav is taka very unique. If you shake lulav a hundred times in a day, you only make one bracha. You don't make another bracha every single time. So the question is, what does it mean to do it again? Okay. says, But the B'kuri Yaakov is always uh, very, very, very very often followed. The B'kuri Yaakov held, you don't have to repeat the, uh, the, the nanum. There's an interesting shayel in the B'kuri Yaakov. Let's say a guy picks up lulav before Aloy Sashachah. And he holds it in his hand for an hour. And now it's after Aloy Sashachah. It's after the Eitzachamah. Is there a tzad to say that he might not be the Mitzvah? So you'll say, what's the problem? He shook Lulav after his mom. But says the Bukhari Yankiv, look in the Chumash. It says, Ulekachtem. He learned that the Lakicha, the picking up of the Dalamidim, is a Chelik of the Mitzvah. It's this when you picked up the Dalamidim, you picked it up at the wrong time, until you put it down and re-pick it up. It's all nimshach, it's all continued somehow from that original picking up, which was done shaloi Bizman. Now, this is a big question if we paskin like this or not. A big, big shayla in the different apaiskim, whether or not we paskin, maybe Salsalanta was taka machmer as was the chsam soifer in the binyan shloima, that you taka should put it down and pick it up again. But the chazanishin and its sif thought that's no such din, that you have to pick it up in the right time. As long as you had the lulu in your hand at the zman, no matter when you picked it up, it doesn't make a difference. Someone hands it to you. Someone hands it to you. Yeah, yeah, that's a big shayla. They talk about it. Yeah, and that's a big discussion, right? And that I'm going to leave you out. But that's a shayil also. What happens in such a case? Um, it says in Shulchan Aruch you're supposed to hold the lulav in your right hand, the eswig in your left hand, unless you're left. We spoke about that yesterday. So um, there's a Shilo, Let's say today they make the esrog very small. So let's say you can get everything in one hand. So you want to put everything in one hand. You yoyte b'diav. But if you hold the lulav and eswig in one hand, so the Mishnah quotes Macholik is Maga in Taz. Whether or not you're yotze the task quotes from Rishonim that held b'diyevit, you're not yotze, and he disagrees. He thinks b'diyevit, you are yotze, even if you hold them in one hand. The Maghreb says, no, you're not yotze. It's got to be one and one and the other, you're not yotze. So the Mishdabru is machriya la that if you taka picked up the lovah and the eser in one hand, and you never switched hands, you never divided the two hands, you should taka shake it again. Because la you're not yotze. Also, the Aruch says that when you take the lovah and eser, you're supposed to be machabed them together to bring the two together. You see people they hold the Lulu like this, the Esri like this, they never bring the two together. You're supposed to during the Nanuim they're supposed to come together. Now the big question is is do you have to hold the Lulu and Esrig in their two hands, in their respective hands, during the Nanuim during when you go around the Hishams, right? So if you look in the Mishtabrura, you look in the ar Kharav, quite a few place, came, they sound like yes. Whenever you're doing something with the Lulu and Eswig, you should always hold the Lilov in your right hand, your Eswig in the left hand. But Pukhazi, look around. Most people only hold the Lul of an Eswig in one hand, they hold the sitter in the other hand because of convenience. So they made these cards, and I find this so funny. They made these cards that are on the table to make your life easier for what purpose? So you should be able to hold the luluv in one hand, the esrug in the other hand. So I laugh when I see people holding both in one hand and the card in the other hand. That wasn't the purpose of the card. The reason why they made these easy-to-hand cards was not so you don't have to carry a heavy sitter. It was so you can hold the luluv in your right hand, the esrug in the left hand. So to hold the card in one hand, and the luluv and the S-ring in the same hand, you defeated the purpose of why they created it. So it's a little bit of an of a ironic thing. If you look around, many people do that. But l'chadchila most paiz assume yankov as well that you really should have the lu in one hand the es in the other hand so what do you do with the sitter? so again it used to be back in the day only one there was only one set of lovevin estric they say in brisk there was only one lo of the shots had it and the Gabbai used to walk with the sitter backwards so you can read the Hashanass backwards I mean the, G- the Gabi walked with the sitter backwards this way the Balthila can read it because there was only one Lulvanesrik, and the Baal was not holding the sitter, and this way he could do it, but today everyone has their own so they made these little cards, very convenient, but everyone misses the boat. They take the card in the left hand, the Lulvanesrik is still in the right hand, you kind of defeated the purpose. So we should try to be more careful about that. Um, the Bikuri Yaakov brings another Chumrah, which is not widely practiced. He says he saw, some people keep holding the Lulvanesrik until after the Kaddish, at the conclusion of the Heshanas. He says he saw that Bishem darizal the brings it down, but again, look around, not so many people are but on that, but it's something that's recorded in the Bekura Yaakov. There's a Gevaldike Chumra out there, quoted from the Arches Chaim, from the Spinka Rebbe, he writes that you have to go to the same shul every day of Sukkot. You have to do the Nanum around the same beam on the same Aron Kaidish. Why? Demetim is there was only one misbech. There wasn't a break-off minyanim, right? Everyone daven in the same place. So, so too, when you go to shul on Sukkot, you got to daven in the same shul. You can't go away. You can't to shul hop. You can't go away to family. You got to daven in the same shul the first day, the second day, all the way to the end of the Yom Tov of Sukkot. Obviously, we all know that is widely not practiced. Puk Chazit, people travel, jump around from shul to shul. It's interesting, if you look, at the end of the Hishan, most people, when they get to the Aniv O'Hoyor no, they already come back to their seat. Many people point out that that's not correct. Aniva Hoyashina is a chelik of the hishanis. If it's a chelik of the Hashanis, it should be recited while you're going around the bima as well. Yet, sometimes just for practicality, it's not practiced. But some people do discuss that that's really against Yushami. yushalmi. The more correct version would be is that around Aniva hoyashi'ana, we should also try to go around the bima. I found the Gavaldic akasha on the rebbers. I've never been to a rebbe shahalul. I don't plan on. Maybe I'll watch it on YouTube. I don't know. If I shouldn't say that. Okay, maybe. In any case, the way the rebbers do hishanis is very long. It's very schlepped out. So, Achorinim Avakashah, the Maghrib Rum is in Simon base. based on the Mechab and Aruch The Aruch passes. let's say in the middle of Halal, you take a break. It's very great, great at calls. Let's say you take Atsalah call in the middle of Halal, and you come back. Uh, that was a quick Atsalah call, but it took longer than the time it takes to finish the whole Halal. You have to start from the beginning. So, the Mechab says, no, you don't have to. Maghrib Rum says, yes, you do. Mishdabur is Machmir, that you should start over again. So, Achorinim Avakashah, when the Rebbe does his Rebbe Shanaanuim, it's a long heft takes a long time. It's a break in the middle of the hollow. Why is it not a shayla of a hefsik? It's a hefsik in the middle. So what's the obvious answer? That's a tzayich the halo. So it makes the halal better. It improves the halo, And that's why it's not a shayla. But it is an interesting question. Why is it not a shayla of a hefsik? We just need to talk a little bit about cholamoid. Many people ask about cholamoid tomorrow about cutting their nails. Are well, you allowed to cut your nails tomorrow on Arab Shabbos? So, there's a machloikis in the Gemara in cut and whether or not you're, not you're allowed to cut your nails or not cut your nails for But you have to know, the prohibition of nail cutting is only with a machine with a utensil. Biting your nails is not included in the prohibition. So, even if you can't cut your nails, you can always bite your nails The Gemara says in Maid Kat, that uh, it's okay to do it, at least in the Shul you shouldn't do it around pregnant women, but in the Shul you can bite your nails. So you can always bite your nails But what about cutting your nails with a cleat? So the paiskim makal if a you cut your nails on erev yomtiv, meaning erev the first days, or the is even more mekal if let's say every erev Shabbos you normally cut your nails, but well, you didn't cut your nails this erev yomtiv you were too busy. But since every Friday I cut my nails and tomorrow is Friday, you're allowed to cut your nails. And the aruchas goes a step further. He says, let's say I didn't need to cut my nails because my nails were already uh, short. And now my nails are long, so he holds. You can also cut your nails. So there's much room to be makele tomorrow to cut your nails as well as to polish shoes. Rov achroinim hold that simple shoe polishing that we have today. Nothing fancy, nothing creative, nothing professional. if Moshe held that way. It's mutter. B'avad Yosef held it's mutter the Melamed Lohoyal the Zvi Hafman held it was Mutter the Chazenish was Machm, the Chazenish held you can't polish shoes on a Cholimod. but the majority of the Gedele of the last generation held you could simple shoe polishing others say if you have another pair of shoes wear the other pair of shoes but if you only have one pair of Shabbos shoes and this is the only pair you have you can polish it regularly it's not a problem the last thing I wanted to get to I know it's getting late is laundry a lot of people have been asking about laundry because the way it falls out uh, sometimes people think that you're allowed to do laundry on a Cholomoy Shabbos or Lutzerich Yomte. So the answer is no, you can't. You really, you really can't do laundry just because Yomtev rolls into Shabbos or rolls into the second days. There's an issue to do laundry, even in a laundry, even with a machine, and even Aidei Nochri. You can't even have your cleaning lady to do the laundry. So, Xeradir Rabbanu. Now, the only hetter to do laundry is, let's say, for example, something like hand towels. Hand towels are something that get dirty so quickly and so frequent. there's no way to stock up enough. And you stocked up on hand towels before young, but they got dirty because that's just the way hand towels go so some like this: the place today talk about this that hand towels you might be allowed to do a wash on if you used up all your hand towels others don't go through hand towels so fast they have tons in the closet so bring the ones out from the closet big dick tanin children's clothing you're allowed to wash because children's clothing gets dirty so often so quickly ask anyone with small children you're doing laundry all day long so that there's no way to prepare for it it's impossible so that's more to do as well the other heter that some contemporary I'm talking about is like socks and underwear. Those are things that also get quick get dirty so quickly, so often, there's no way to, st- st- to store up on them. So many can make all with that as well. But other than that, there's really no heter to do laundry except for if you have, let's say, a bag that got dirty and if you don't clean it, it's going to get ruined. It's gonna get, let's say you have a big stain on something. Let's say it's something like a blood stain. That If you take it out quick enough, the shirt won't be ruined. But if you don't, the shirt's going to be ruined. So that's a dover of dove. it. You'd be allowed to wash it. Um, spot staining is mutter. Let's say, for example, you have one spot, and you, rip, you rinse it out, so if it was mutter, that is not a problem, because that's darker, that's not considered a real washing. But other than that, a big bulk of laundry is really not allowed during Chalemite, unless you have a special case. And then in that case, many places can suggest it's better to buy new than it is to wash. Mm-hmm. Obviously, depending on what you're buying and your financial situation, but sometimes it's better to buy new than it is to wash. Okay just a correction I was uh, showed after this year the Mishtaburah says that if you're in a shlak and it's easy to open the shlak so then you should open the shlak when the rain starts so if it's easy to open the shlak then la you should really go open the shlak if it's complicated then you would be like if you went into your house